let's start. We're here at uh, was Bryson City, North Carolina, on a retreat for the New Columbia Southeast Chapter. Um, little, little guys, little guys trip out in the woods. Did some whitewater rafting today. Can go hiking tomorrow. Church tomorrow. Um, I am Sean, as always. Jonathan Corey here. I'm here with uh, three guys from the New Columbia movement. Um, if you guys want to introdu introduce yourselves. Hey guys, uh, how's it going? My name is Sean Heim. I am a member of the New Columbia Movement, the head of the Southeast Chapter. Um, had the liberty of getting to put together this event. It's going pretty well. If you guys follow our YouTube channel at all, you've probably seen my face a couple times. Um, I am the uh, the media arm of our organization, if you will, um, and working to uh, improve that platform. So thanks for having me. Yeah, it's Johnny here. Uh, good to be here. I've been heavily involved in the Southeast chapter for a long time. Me and Sean have done a lot of work together. Uh, yeah, just happy to be here, happy to be a part. Peyton at the Southeast chapter. I'm the deputy of the Southeast. Um, mostly get the meal work of it. But, yeah, love doing it. Dope. I was going to ask, um, so we also have Nick here. Everyone who's familiar with my stream has heard him on my stream twice on my stream twice yeah, uh two appearances <laughs> you can hop on man feel free to hop no, no, on I'm good. I'm good. um but uh, yeah if you guys want if someone wants to like just intro new columbia movement again like what it is what it's about what we're what we're doing what the goals are i guess on this retreat right now and bigger picture like what is the movement and what is like uh what are we doing i'll tackle that question um i, I think first and foremost the new columbia movement is a christian fraternity i think you're going to find our ideals to be a lot in line with the um, nationalist side of things um, when you're talking about political spectrum if you will populism nationalism and these types of things um, and you see this kind of stuff um, from an array, array of, of right-wing groups but mostly um, I think where we differentiate and what we really drive home is Christ first so you see you know the, the, the Groyper movement they're all about America first and I get where they're coming from but it's an incomplete solution um, at the end of the day Christ is the the final solution there's a meme we shared the other day um, actually and it was like something to the effect of me in 2016 you know trump trump 2016 <laughs> yeah daddy maga we're gonna win and it was me in 2022 and it's like i was wrong to put my faith in man christ is the only true solution <laughs> yeah. and um yeah. i really you know and, and to sum it all up it's, it's christian nationalism but it's a fraternity of brothers who um believe in that future and i really do think that that's the inevitable um, future and conclusion I got a cockroach calling on me the inevitable future and <laughs> conclusion of where people's political ideologies are going to land we exist in a place now where if you're a moderate you are you're nothing to me essentially we're getting so polarized that you are either and Johnny and I were talking about this earlier today you w we're so polarized these days that it quite literally is to the point where you're either with us or against us and that's not to be said in so much in a threatening way, though there is, I guess, that underlying <laughs> aspect of it, but it's really more to the effect of, like, there is no middle ground to be found. There's no compromise with evil. There's none of this, right? At the end of the day, like, we are here for a specific mission, and people who are lukewarm to restoring the objectiveness, objective right in this world, um, are speed bumps along the way to, to bringing that uh, bringing that to its fullest conclusion. So I think that's really what we're working towards, um, activism localism uh, and bringing all these things into public light and bringing good Christian men into a fraternity where people can come out and have a weekend like this and um, 
talk about these these truths be together with each other and then use this as a launching point to go out and do real activism and and and, and fight the the spread of evil that we're facing on a day-to-day basis yeah yeah i'm gonna get back to that um point i actually have that as like a topic to talk about but do you want to like i guess each one of you guys share like maybe like a one maybe like a few minutes of your testimony yeah absolutely i'll go first on that one um i was saved out of paganism in a christian home uh my family has always kind of gotten the raw deal of things at least to a sinner's mind uh, and they were always Christian, and so I had less than a favorable view of God for a long time of my life. Uh, but the Lord had a plan and brought me out of that. Um, and he brought me to a pretty, you know, a mainstream church, a church that wasn't going to ruffle any feathers. Uh, everybody wears a suit and tie kind of place. Got big guest speakers uh, coming every Sunday uh, to come and bring the word. But there wasn't, like what Sean's talking, there wasn't a lot of people that were um, getting out and getting active. It was a very passive church. It was your classic, you know, we're going to get sucked up here in the next seven years after the next president turns out to be the Antichrist. So we might as well buy a bunch of canned goods and 22 LR and then just wait till we all get sucked up into the great jubilee in the sky. Um, but thankfully, the Lord has helped me to put off, put aside the childish things and begin to think like a man. And so that's kind of where he's brought me here. Uh, I'm definitely uh, sola scriptura. Uh, sola fide and sola de gloria and also sola reformanda i'm one of the few reformed members of the new columbia movement but our numbers are growing for now uh for now and forever but uh the the wonderful part about the new columbia movement is that we are a interdenominational ecumenical fraternity uh the majority because of the fraternity being started in the northern part of the country uh there's a majority of roman Catholics, but we have everything from Roman Catholics to Eastern Orthodox to Southern Baptists to Reformed. Uh, we really have the whole range of Christianity because at the end of the day, we agree on one thing, and that is that Christ is king and that Christ is always going to be king, so you might as well just get in line. <laughs> and the Lord continues to show me that he's good and that he's king. Uh, I love working that out with these guys here at the New Columbia Movement and just everywhere else in life. Yeah, that is a good point, is that is on its surface and i guess as its founding this was a catholic movement that has evolved into just basically an anti-satanism movement <laughs> as most christian fraternities end up being yeah. <laughs> really it's just kind of small o orthodoxy traditional yeah. Yeah. returning to the roots of uh, of christianity and what it is supposed to be standing for because yeah. it's really been lost especially in america yeah i would say that you know it it, it was definitely founded with um it was founded by catholics um, it was never founded with the intention of being a Catholic organization, though. I think from the start, it was very much about um, opening up to different denominations. Because at the end of the day, um, there's not necessarily, we're not uh, overtly pushing towards Catholicism. There's not necessarily anything you're going to see that's going to you know, go against Catholic teaching or anything like that. But the mission of the New Columbia Movement is more so um, getting back to a godly world. And there are plenty of people that you can find across the aisle on that across the denominational aisle who are willing to, <laughs> you know, join join arm in arm with you on that fight. And, and so there's no sense in turning those people away because it, what we're facing is you, you need everybody. <laughs> you need as, as, as many people. As I you mean, can get. it go it goes to what Nick said. Um, I forgot when he said this, but he said something along the lines of the the differences between the traditional Catholics and the traditional Protestants. When that's the biggest issue we face, we don't really need these kind of 
activisms anymore. You know what I mean? So until we defeat these greater evils, the differences between us matter little compared to the great threat we have facing yeah. us. Yeah, absolutely. You want to roll with your testimony? Yeah, I mean, I'll oh, give yeah. my introduction. So I was, you know, born and raised um, Catholic. I was born into a Catholic home. My uh, my dad was, like, well, my mom and dad, when they got married, neither of them were necessarily um, very Christian in their faiths. My mom was raised Southern Baptist. My dad was raised Catholic. Um, I'm sure they went through their phases just like I did where it wasn't their priority, but my dad started getting back to his faith. My mom ended up converting to Catholicism when I was around five or six years old, I believe, um, and I was raised in the Catholic household. I was involved. I mean, I went to a private Catholic school for part of my schooling career, um, or just schooling, not a career, right? Um, and I was involved in some church programs and these types of things. And I think like most young guys, when you get that little taste of freedom and you start to move out and get on your own, you kind of start to put that aside, thinking that that was, you know, something else and you didn't necessarily need that and eventually I got to the point where I realized that the structure of life is flows from uh, the true the, the Christian principles that I was raised in and so I started having a rediscovery of my faith in a very real way and <coughs> making a conscientious effort to get back to the foundations and not just get back to where I was but grow from from the foundations that I was given as a child which I'm more than appreciative of I was um in the Marine Corps for seven years, I recently just got out, and I got out because, well, you know, I was on the one hand I was being persecuted, <laughs> if you want to use that word for not getting the uh, poke in the arm, but on the other hand, I was um, fighting basically an institution that was enabling the 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 values in quotes, if you will, that are explicitly contrary to the virtues that I hold. Um, the military branches are happy to celebrate Pride Month every year that rolls around. Uh, these these forever wars and advancing globalism and uh, you know fighting on behalf of our greatest ally endlessly and uh, you know it's just <laughs> 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 quotes quote yeah. quote quote. It's so it's, it's <laughs> about three quotes air on fingers, either side. Air fingers. Yeah. Air fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I finally have the freedom to be able to speak more liberally about these things, right? Um, but no, it was just it, I could see it all heading in a, in a direction that I was not wanting to be on that team that wasn't the team that I wanted to be a part of because it didn't reflect my values I joined the Marine Corps because my grandfather spent 28 years in the Marine Corps and he was somebody that I greatly admired both as a man and as an individual who spent a career and a lifetime serving his country as a Marine and I think he was a fantastic individual and I still look up to him I know in the brief conversations that I had with him that he was not happy with the direction of the Marine Corps or this country <laughs> either yeah. and um, it finally came down to one day deciding that, you know, I actually needed to make a decision that either there's a quote, um, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it's either like, you know, you, you mold your life to the values of Christianity or the world molds you to its values. And I had to make that decision to come to the conclusion that I'm going to live the way that I ought to live. And if I don't do that, if I don't make that decision at some point, I'm just going to be swept up in the current, uh, like I was today. Less of a moral current, more of the Nanahela. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, story for another time. But yeah, I didn't want to be swept up in that current of secularism and ultimately Satanism. So, yeah. 
I guess we save the best for last. Yeah. <laughs> uh, grew up atheistic the vast majority of my life. Um, terrible life too. It's not good. Um, and I would I would just look around. And I remember it was pretty much I just looked around. And I was like, I was like, all right. I just threw my hands up. I was like, something's wrong. It's <laughs> like yeah. figure out figure out what's what I'm doing wrong. And I just looked around. And this is the biggest. It's the oh, it's the biggest thing with with Christianity, and it's important for everyone to do is to lead by example, because that's ultimately probably the biggest thing that led me to my faith, was uh, specifically the only religious person left in my family was my grandmother. Had a phenomenal life. Um, bit of a boomer fud, but <laughs> God bless her. Um, but yeah, and so I, I I spent probably two years trying to figure out, learning everything I could. Eventually came into the Catholic faith, but um. Shortly after I started attending church and all that, I found the fraternity and was welcomed with open arms. Probably the most social interaction I've ever had. That's another thing, too, is that, you know, a lot of guys today are lonely. I was one of them. And Christianity is so welcoming and opening. Uh, just all of it. And it brings people so close together. It gives them friends. Too many lost men today. That was one of them. Not yeah. good. That's when you got all these drug addicts, alcoholics, these sex addicts, especially nowadays. Even the homosexuals to a degree, I think. I mean, especially need to find Christ. But, you know, I think most of them are just lonely, and the only thing they can find is another man or from their porn addiction or from abuse in their life and things like this. And if they just could simply find the courage to come to the Lord and profess their faults, a lot could be fixed simply by the love of God, really simply. Yeah, yeah, that truth and that love, mm-hmm. and then that emptiness in your heart, like that yeah. fight that's like fills it all up. Born and raised as like a pagan atheist, you're just like yeah. constantly trying to fill that void, and then when you With find it, it's alcohol, useless women, yeah. <laughs> drugs, anything. Yeah, yeah but that was interesting. So, like, this is kind of gonna be like a five-part question and i want to start talking about this america first and then we'll transition after into the differences with new columbia but i wanted to bring this up because like america first is it a catholic movement because it seems like its priorities are actually with the nation saving the nation in like a secular political sense and not necessarily putting faith first i mean i know they talk about it and it's part of what they do but do you think that that's like a adequate way to describe it like that that movement is seeking more of like a secular solution to problems not like striving to put christ first in itself and do you think that by branding themselves as basically catholic only that that's kind of stopping them from reaching christians broadly well first of all they're not a christian movement it's a misnomer i did a lot of work with america first back in the day uh I met with Nick Fuentes uh, at certain political events and got to know kind of his lifestyle. And unfortunately now, more of his lifestyle has been uh, broadcast than he probably would have liked to have broadcast. <laughs> um, but that is that is very telling because something about the Christian faith that you did hit on that we're very welcoming, but we are also we are welcoming of sinners and we absolutely abhor sin. Um, One of the telling things about the America First movement and a lot of other um, civilian nationals uh, is their acceptance of degeneracy and their acceptance of sin, um, especially when it comes to somebody that they view as a figurehead or somebody that they can't do without. Because at the end of the day, an America First movement has a flawed... um, 
has a flawed starting point because if America is put first in a in a world where America was put first for a long time when we were the superpower, we still were not putting Christ first. And to regain an America first position is not to regain a Christ first position. And as a Christian, you can't be intellectually consistent and fight for a civic first uh, position over and above a Christ first position. And it's very telling that their um, organization primarily targets people that are just getting into politics, um, looking for kind of an outlet, kind of an edgier outlet because they aren't exactly mainstream, even though uh, they're very much talked about and uh, Fuentes has been in and out of the news himself. Uh, He associates with high profile people such as Milo Yiannopoulos and other conservative, uh, societally conservative talking heads. But at the end of the day, the movement itself is really everything we're opposed to. We don't view the, we don't view any flag higher than the flag of Christ at the New Columbia Movement. We don't see any end on earth aside from the ultimate glory of God and the fulfillment of his kingdom as anything less than a half measure. And Christ says, you will either be hot or cold, and if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. And so, I mean, like I said, I did work with AF. Uh, I know other people did um, in the movement. And ultimately, that's why our movement that's one of the reasons our movement exists is because we don't want an America first because America has stood for so many things that are wonderful and right and good. But we also have the, I mean, you look at what's going on in our schools. You look at what we're teaching our children, what we're allowing people to do themselves. Uh, We allow people to live in such a materialist society that they can ride on a mobility scooter to their big box store and buy so much artery clogging food <laughs> that they're dead before they're 55 and we just call this the American dream. <laughs> the only dream that we support here at the New Columbia Movement is Christ first, Christ always, and Christ the King. And so any movement that falls short of that we see as lukewarm. Yeah, I've, I've always wondered about the the America first group and, and their relationship to Christianity or Catholicism. Um, I mean, I know there's a lot of Catholics involved in the higher levels of that, you know, but I, I didn't know what their relationship was as far as like their religious affiliation aside from the Jesus bobblehead that Nick Fuentes keeps on his desk. Um, <laughs> wow, man, good job. Um, I I almost uh, liken it to the relationship that uh, like somebody like Jordan Peterson has to Christianity mm-hmm. where it's this maybe convenient sideshow yep. yeah. where without recognizing that it's not just a sideshow, it's legitimately the foundation. You say America first, what, what does that mean? Are we talking about Amer- the revolutionary America? Are we talking about Gilded Age America? Are we talking about uh, split camp America of the Civil War? Are we talking about 1950s America, which is, I imagine, what a lot of them think of in their heads? We're talking about 2010s America? What America are you talking about? All of this America falls under the umbrella of liberalism. Liberalism, I mean, in the Catholic perspective, liberalism's a sin. This this hi- this hyper, like Johnny was just talking about, this hyper-individuality. Why is that something that why is that placed higher on the altar than Christ? Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm coming more and more to the conclusion, the perspective that I am a s- servant and I want to be a servant for for God, you know, for, for, for Christ. And I want to propel his kingdom as much as I can. And I want to see nations that are modeled um, under that moral order. And if America first means just returning to some earlier stage of liberalism, then no, I'm not America first. 
I think the people deserve to be saved. I think the, the geography of this country is beautiful and all these things, but it all means nothing without Christ because it all comes from him. said and then yeah i was going to bring up like just the differences of the new colombian movement which centers on the pillars of faith family fraternity right and it's like kind of a goal of like starting with rebuilding families first with faith and like to me that's the correct solution right like that's kind of if you're going to start somewhere you got to start in the family before you well, start it's in it's, it's in, in that order community. faith then yeah. family then fraternity yeah, yeah. which and we've talked about this when Nick was on my podcast of like, that's just like the perfect, <laughs> I think just the perfect three pillars and mm -hmm. in the right order. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, you guys just hit on all the points perfectly. And, and one of the things too, you mentioned family is super important. I've had aspirations and I'm, I'm developing the YouTube channel for the new Columbia movement as I can, but I've really had aspirations to do something akin to highlighting some of these families who are living in the very traditional way that we kind of aspire to. Mm. A lot of us are younger guys um, and we're either starting our families or, or looking to start a family. Um, but there are good Christian families all around this country who aren't on the front page of the Washington Post and they're not yeah. being highlighted by CNN, let alone Fox News or any of these, where they're just living their faith on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, the big families going to church, praying at night, all of these things. And it's like, how many kids these days are subjected to the projections of sin everywhere they look? They, they, you know, they spend however many hours a day scrolling through TikTok, looking at all these different creative forms of degeneracy. They never actually get, and a lot of these people, and they come from environments, and, and sometimes it's hard to recognize and realize this when you live in kind of a, your right-wing bubble sometimes. People have never even been exposed to some of this stuff. How beautiful would it be to be able to highlight a family just living the way a family is supposed to live. How amazing would it be if some young kid who's lost in this world tunes in and just sees a family sharing the beauty of God's creation with one another and with this world that he's created and they see that and they're, aspi and they're inspired by that beauty because beauty inspires us to go and to be a better person than they were yesterday rather than picking up an AR-15 walking into an elementary school and slaughtering innocent children. Well, that's why liberals are attacking beauty. Look at the art. Look at the architecture. All of it's under attack. Yeah. They're removing beauty from everything so we don't love anything. And right. that's what motivates these people to do these attacks. They don't love anything. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're vehicles for Satan's agenda, oh, which yeah. is why they, they push on that so hard. That's something I bring up a lot on my streams is the good, the true, and the beautiful. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, that is what should be promoted. That's what people should be seeking. Like, that is the epitome of, like, Christianity, living in this earth oh, as yeah. of now. And invert that right the ugly the false the evil mm -hmm. that's what's being spread and pushed on everyone right so if we can seek that and promote that as much as possible to counteract all of the <laughs> evil and wickedness just, just and show by example there, yeah you know yeah. like sean said just just show these people living and people yeah. will as as long as they wish to will see yeah. and at the end of the day we've got three pillars and so does satan he's got stealing he's got killing he's got destroying and we're seeing a lot of that I mean, uh, I know the figure now is outdated. It was put out at the beginning of this year, but we're looking at 63 million dead babies in the United States. 63 million that we've slaughtered at the altar of convenience. I think the metric was 98 point. However many is strictly out of convenience. Yeah. Not So even if you take out 2 million, that's 60 million babies. As if, as if the others aren't even. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
it's it, Satan has long run rampant with the help of his synagogue in this nation and in this world. The uh, the cabal of evildoers in this nation and in this world have long enjoyed the lukewarm waters that the church and that uh, her pew fillers have spit out. And so that's kind of why we're here. We're here to we're here to heat up the water a little bit. Yeah, that is something I wanted to ask is, um, like, I guess it's probably going to be universal, but what is, like, your abortion stance and, like, your thoughts on the leaked Roe v. Wade ruling? No abortion ever at any point, at any stage, for any reason. It's always murder. God is a great physician. If there is a medical emergency, if there are ectopic pregnancies, he's faithful and just to heal. And if he doesn't heal, he's still faithful and just. Um, and with the Roe v. Wade, we rejoice. We have uh, we had a contingent from the New Columbia Movement, fairly large contingent actually, from all across the nation, this uh, January, representing at the March for Life. But we know also that the fight doesn't end here. Roe v. Wade could be overturned in our lifetime, and I pray every day that that happens. And as I know, every man in this organization does. But at the end of the day, the fight doesn't stop there. We all have communities where we know women, and we know men who support this disgusting practice. And we're going to be, it, it, once we get it down in the Supreme Court, we're going to keep fighting in the states like we have been. Back in, uh, what was it, May, March, we went down and visited with uh, the Apologia um, and Abortion Now group in South Carolina. We supported um, some legislators down there who've put forth a complete legalization and criminalization bill, which we pray that the Lord will be faithful and just to push that through as soon as the... Uh, soon as the road decision is overturned because we know that God is going to win and when God wins he wins all the way the battle is already won the battle was won on Calvary we're just mopping up the stragglers right now <laughs> and so we're very hopeful and excited here yeah. at the New Columbia movement that abortion will be over as a state institution in our lifetime we know that it won't ever be completely eradicated because there will always be evil until Christ returns but we are working towards as close to a zero metric in in our community as possible and i don't think there's a single person in the new columbia movement who believes otherwise and if they do i'd have to have a talk <laughs> <laughs> they snuck in <laughs> yeah the future of this fight is localism um this is a great step and in, 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 we haven't seen the final decision yet and like johnny said i pray that it, they, it goes in yeah. the right direction um the future of this fight is localism because what this decision is doing is it's essentially turning it over to the states to be able to make these decisions. Yeah. So the federal government is not going to mandate states to allow people to kill their babies, but now the states can decide. And I, I heard an interesting perspective. I can't remember who was saying it, but it, there's almost going to be like a reaction to this from these very liberal type states, the New Yorks and Californias and such, to go even further with abortion yeah. as a revolt against mm. what this decision is going to be. So what does that look like? post-birth abo abortions in California. I wouldn't be surprised. My former governor in Virginia was happy to talk about that on a radio program yeah. where yeah. he said, we'll make the baby comfortable yeah. and then we'll <laughs> let the mother decide whether or not you know, she wants to murder it in cold blood, essentially. How satanic, how sick. Yeah. Um, if people aren't going to be willing to get out and be the voice in their communities, then you have to expect that the, the satanists are going to be the ones who are, who are setting the tone. They have a monopoly in public opinion right now because they've basically been able to monopolize the institutions and, and, and the, the, the voices that are projecting these this, this filth into society. And so this is what people are hearing on an everyday basis. And conservatives have been so cowardly and actually like fighting back on that. 
Like, get up, get loud, get angry. Th- th- we're talking about babies being killed. Why would that not be the hill that you die on? Le- legitimately, literally die on that hill. Because, it, it, you know, no greater man or no greater love does man have than this than to lay down his life for another. If you're not willing to die on that hill, then I don't know where I can find a place that, that you, if you can't start there, what other battle are we going to, oh, fiscal, fiscal, <laughs> you know, we're going to go yeah, have we a we got to keep inflation down, man. That's what God cares about. Yeah, God, cares, yeah. ab- God cares about yeah. gas prices. And yeah. <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek. We, we do have, there is an aspect to our movement that is economic and we push, we push for responsible economic practices. Mm. But the fact of the matter is the economy for so long has been controlled by the same group of Satanists who are pushing this stuff. They fund the me- all the media talking heads are on board. All of the politicians are on board. All of the a lot of mainstream denominations have heads that are on board with this. Even if they're on board with it in the milk toast way, like Sean's talking about, the people that are just lukewarm. Um, and it's gotta stop. And luckily we aren't the only group out there. And we understand that. We recognize that that there have been a very encouraging number of Christians who have risen up recently to stand against this cabal that exists and we're winning and that's the wonderful thing we are winning the fact that we can sit here uh, on a porch in Brighton City Tennessee smoking cigars and talk about it shows that we're winning Satan knows that he's beaten and he's just crying about it and throwing everything he has in his little book at us but he knows he's lost and so we're very we are very much hopeful for that eternal capitulation and we're going to do everything we can to see it in our lifetimes. I think the, the thing direct back to abortion real quick too is that being anti-abortion isn't enough because that's not pro-life. Pro-life goes far beyond abortion. Um, we, you know, euthanism is another thing. Um, I don't know if anyone knows, but in Canada, they're now making it legal for a what what they said someone who's so poor they can't live without dignity. It, they can now kill themselves uh, legally at a hospital. This this pro-life does not end once we stop abortion. Because they are still killing people who are living now for whatever they claim to be dignity, when that is simply up to God. I mean, if you live, if you're living truly with Christ, then you're living in dignity, period, rich or poor. Yeah, and at the at the end of the day, pro life is ultimately pro Christ because yeah. we're made in His image. Anything that degrades that, that demeans that, uh, some something as simple as obesity, pornography. Mm-hmm. Uh, self-gratification by enemies, self-degradation by anything, um, living for anything less than God's glory and your fellow man's good uh, is what we see as the problem. And uh, anything that would degrade human life falls under the umbrella of pro-life. Absolutely. Uh, we, we have to be against that. We, and we are against that. Mm. Yeah. What I always say, because this seems to be controversial when I say like this stance with guys right a lot of guys on my channel and stuff are like kind of MGTOW or you know very like anti-women it seems cringe <laughs> I'm the young the younger con- conservative go to the gym and <laughs> just go but, to the um, gym you know I always say like the true like like you know abortion is a man's issue that's my stance like the whole like oh you have no right to speak blah 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 I'm sure you've heard those counterpoints Men, you out right. there and everyone here right now with me but my stance is you know a single like every single abortion is because a man has failed yes a man has failed a woman absolutely that's why she's doing it she's either not confident in her husband she's not trusting her husband she's not tr- putting her faith in god which i think at the end of the day falls on her man's shoulders mm-hmm. to be instilling those or values fathers of trust in god 
and or you know men just having out of sex out of wedlock sex mm-hmm. with women you know that they shouldn't be doing that with so my my stance has always been like abortion would go away if men were being actually like righteously masculine leaders absolutely and, for Christ. and that's not just talking about your single men we're not putting all of the weight on the shoulders of the men who aren't married mm. fathers yeah. yeah fathers own their daughters biblically Fathers are responsible for the moral well-being and upkeep of their daughters until they're married. And that's why we have this we have this institution of marriage. When a father gives his daughter away, it's because he is relinquishing his biblical headship of his daughter to the biblical headship of a man. And not only does that mean that men who are looking to become fathers and husbands need to step up and need to clean themselves up. Yeah. And we need to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps with the help of Christ. But we also need to be adjuring our fathers because... We have had so many just lackluster, you know, uh, I want to be my kid's buddy, and I want my kids to like me. So I don't really care what they do on Friday nights. Heck, I might go with them. Like, we need that weak manhood is directly responsible for all of the ills in society because Mm -hmm. when men cannot stand up and lead, then society crumbles. It's just that simple. And so men really do bear the brunt because at the end of the day, the woman is the weaker vessel we are ultimately held to a standard of responsibility when it comes to society. And if we're not doing our job, it's very evident, it's very clear. And so uh, that's one of the biggest things, fraternity here. Yeah. Yep. We, you can't go it alone. The, here at the New Columbia Movement, we do our best to keep everybody uh, accountable, in yeah. check, make sure that everybody is Absolutely. pushing themselves as hard as they can uh, to imitate Christ. Because if you're doing that, you're going to be a good husband. You're going to be a good father, and you're going to be a good man before God. Absolutely. Why? Why yeah, do you th- having a band of brothers is crucial, and oh yeah, like iron sharpening iron. Like so, you have to. Be sometimes iron, you gotta you get bullied. Surround yourself with iron, <laughs> yeah. and you guys have to sharpen each other. Yeah. 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 Why do you, Why do you think there's such a push for effeminacy in our world today? Yeah. Because they don't want masculine men. Because masculine men lead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they lead. Absolutely. You know, godly masculine men lead in the in, in the positive direction. Uh, we were whitewater rafting today, and before we got to the the final. The final bit of it, which is this like, class four rapid falls, yeah. there was a little beach off to the side, and uh, it, what, I don't know what do they call it, chicken beach or something like that. Oh or, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it was basically a beach for you to disembark if you didn't want to stand up to the challenge of yeah. the, the the waterfall at the end, and uh, it's a nice little metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like yeah, there are so many off ramps in our lives to not deal yeah. with the challenges, but that's like a great metaphor for masculinity. Because <laughs> I know we were on, we were high T boat or whatever, high yeah. testosterone. <laughs> hyping each other up. We're like, we're high, not getting off. High T means high tip because they tipped just about everybody in their boat out on that <laughs> rapid. <laughs> we chose to go through the fire yeah. of yep. the tumultuous yep. Manitala River. No. Um, <laughs> no, but it's like. Head first into the battle, except yep. our boat kind of went sideways and maybe a little bit backwards. <laughs> yeah. For context, we were drowning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but it was a great time. But I mean, it's like, and, and, and how much, like, despite like the the nicks and cuts and you know, uh, is, issues that c- came with that, we all came out of that water except closer for Jack. But a little bit later, he was with us too, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we were all like, "That was awesome!" You know, yeah. we were fist bumping yeah, each great. other, and it's like, God, like, like that that what you feel, that masculine energy that you feel coming at the end of a challenge, and knowing that you conquered it, and you faced your mm-hmm. fears, and yeah. you know, facing that anxiety or whatever, you know. It, you it's what is what men need mm-hmm. and so many men are screwed up these days because they don't get that because they're told take that off ramp don't yeah. go don't go down the waterfall you don't need to 
Well, if you saw, there was a boat on that chicken road. It parked over. Yeah. So someone someone got out. Yeah. yeah. And Take the uh, easy route. Yeah. Do what's safe. Do what's you know what you know to be like good for yourself. You know, in the moment. It, I think it's also this. None of them want. None of them want term. to leave anything in God's hands. Yeah. And so the only yeah. way to, the only way to keep that from happening is to not take any risks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just like that selfishness, that like mm-hmm. trust in yourself, like yeah. my ability is going to save me, not a higher purpose, a higher yeah. meaning. Like, in, yeah, that keyword trust. As if like, you can control anything. The yeah. only the, the, <laughs> the only thing you control and barely is your reaction to things. And that's the most important thing to control. The rest you really got. You really do have to leave up to God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you kind of touched on it, um, but I wanted to ask you guys, um, do you think like social media is generally good or bad for Christians these days? It depends how you define social media and how do you find good and how do you find Christians? <laughs> but w- for the sake of not being, a, for the sake of not being pedant- pedantic, I know you centrist, asking, excuse you. I just enjoyed some wonderfully grilled brats. So I take offense to that, but, uh, Social media uh, being the self-gratifying, uh, self-aggrandizing, and idolizing apparatus that's been created specifically for that purpose, it can be used as a tool. We have social media platforms on the New Columbia Movement to spread our message, but if it's not used as a tool correctly, then it can be used for evil. And so it's it's just like firearms. It's a tool. It has a purpose. Use it in that purpose. You're going to get the job done. If you don't use it for that purpose, you're going to get a lot of hurt happening, and we see that. With great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely. I, I drop social media, pretty much all of it. Um, I've, I've About the only social media I guess I touch is YouTube, and even then I'm very careful what I look at because I know how easily it is, it is to slip, you know, especially with me, open up a little bit, pornography. I, I, have, I have to actively avoid that, and I know that now. And acknowledging that is what gets you the first step there. You know, I got rid of Instagram, got rid of Twitter, got rid of all of it. So, and some people have to. Others don't. Some have to. And there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Teddy K is an interesting character, isn't he? <laughs> 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 um, er, anybody who knows me knows I'm an absolute caveman when it comes to just operating the basic forms of technology. Me trying to get a scanner to work on my printer last week is evidence of that. Um, <laughs> I, I go back and forth on my personal usage of social media. I agree with Johnny that it is a tool. Um, but it's also recognizing that uh, like the technology that we're having today, you know, the computer that we're using to record this podcast right now, all of this was born and bred in a world that is um, basically the foundation for the degeneracy that we have today. So it's really hard for me to like look and imagine a, a moral Christian world that that uses these types of tools. And I, not to say that that can't exist. I just have a hard time like visualizing that because I just, you know, like you were alluding to, like I go into news websites and there's like, lingerie advertisements on the side and stuff yeah. like that and it's like as a man it's so easy to be like sucked down the sucked down the wrong way when you just just getting on the internet is mm-hmm. almost like putting yourself in a position for the near occasion of sin um it's part of the world that we live in it's 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 you can't really operate without it unless you you know really go shooter style up in a cabin in the woods yeah well, that's where <laughs> we are right now but like what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> check yeah. one of those boxes yeah let's yeah hope, let's hope the second one remains so. <laughs> My personal opinion on that is, is is still inconclusive. I'd have to do some more thinking um, yeah. to to really hound that down a little bit more. But yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the sayings of the Desert Fathers. Um, not not too much of them. It's kind of the um, 
I guess the Orthodox Church kind of is more into them, but it's the idea is that basically like these persecuted Christians in Egypt, maybe a hundred years, fifty years before um, you know Constantine took power and kind of made it the state religion. Um, so they're still kind of facing per- persecution, and so these very like ascetic, highly devoted to, to Christ men retreated from society and went into like the desert and into the caves and so there's a lot of like powerful insights i mean what it is is a book of collections of their like teachings and sayings and stories about them and it's very powerful i mean these guys that really acted on their faith and like truly lived as simple as possible in prayer like 20 hours a day just in constant prayer and so it's powerful and it's encouraging but then at the same time they're not really fulfilling you know matthew 28 like our call to spread the gospel to mm-hmm. the world you know it's like they're actually the kind community of aspect so it's, on one hand it's like very admirable and it's, there's lots to learn from that and like i get those moments where i'm like man i could just go live in a cave and just be totally devoted to christ as an individual but also we do have a calling as christians to spread the gospel right mm-hmm. um and then in our modern age how do you do that the most effective way is a TikTok account, a YouTube channel, uh, this, you know, right. I mean, this is why I'm when they doing let this. You. This is why we're doing this right now, <laughs> a podcast on the computer, you know, getting out to the masses. And anyone listening to this is finding it because of this, because we haven't retreated. But like you said, I mean, it's technology is a tool, right? Like my TikTok, I kind of have groomed it to be very Christian. Mm. There's still some degenerate stuff that pops up, you know, and I have to hit like the not interested and kind of rework the algorithms and stuff. Right. So, I mean, even when you're, like, actively seeking to avoid all the bad, it's still going to come, you know, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But It's almost like a group of people are trying to shove it into our throat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's almost <laughs> as if it's uh, planned and orchestrated. But, um, yeah, I mean, really, I just – I'd go back and forth on whether it's good or bad. I mean, this – us right here right now is a result of a social media group, right, mm-hmm. an online internet group that we've turned into a real-life thing. Like we took the internet, we took a social media club basically and made it a real life fraternity. Um, So, I mean, that's good. That's powerful. Like that's good, true and beautiful things happening as a result of social media. And there's also a lot of people getting brainwashed by nonsense out there because of it, you know? So yeah, I think it's just a constant battle and I don't know whether it's good or bad or both or (laughs) either one, both at the same time, one or the other at one time, but yeah, I just think that's an inter- interesting topic. Um, well, the, the Desert Fathers thing is interesting. It reminds me of a book that I read called The um, Benedict Option yeah. by Rod Dreher. And The Benedict Option is effectively, kind of sounds like, I'm not familiar with The Desert Fathers as much, but it was this idea that we, because we live in such a um, secularized world now, it's so antithetical to Christian principles that we just basically need to retreat into our communities. I think it's a little bit different, though, because it mentioned parallel society. We're not going away from them. We're living next to them still. Right. Well, his idea is that you, you rebuild society from these um, smaller communities operating outside mm-hmm. of their grand scheme of things. And maybe I'm misinterpreting exactly how he was pushing his point or what his ultimate ends were. But it, I, I kind of like the base camp idea. Um, we do need to be out. And we need to be saving souls and, 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 and pushing Christ's message and all of these things. But you also need to have a base camp, too. Mm-hmm. Um, which can be as simple as going to church on Sunday for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a fantastic priest, a Polish priest who grew up under communism, who um, always finds a way to incorporate into his homily on Sundays the, the errors of communism and liberalism and feminism and all this, and it's refreshing 
and it's a uh, really good you know to hear that and to be able and, and even this can be considered base camp right coming out here on a weekend um and 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 being with the boys and being around christian men oh, yeah. um but then you take that you use this refreshing opportunity to then go out and continue the fight um you gotta really fight until there's no fight left in you that's what we're called to do so maybe a little bit of balance there how does that interplay with social media tool i guess and I think it's case by case, too. I mean, some people are just called, right? They're given certain gifts to, you know, use social media effectively to preach the gospel. And some people, like you were saying, like, if they try that, maybe they actually get sucked up in the nonsense. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're just, they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Just like the same thing of like, you know, Peter was called to have a wife, right? Mm-hmm. And be like a, a shining example of like a husband and a leader, an early leader of the church. Whereas Paul was called to singlehood, like Paul's ministry required him to not have the limitations of a wife, right? Like, so some people are called in one direction with given certain gifts to accomplish these tasks and another is called for a completely different lifestyle, both doing very powerful things that echo throughout eternity and help so many people in different ways, you know? So I think maybe some people need to be on social media and some people don't need to be yep. <laughs> as Christians, you know? Well, we were talking about like John Doyle earlier, right? And his yeah. effectiveness and like oh, yeah. r- laying the message. Um, some people are just really good at it. Yep. And God bless them for it, you know? Mm. I, I think John Doyle does a good job of really diving into the Christian message too and interplaying it. I think he's appealing to that base of like the America First guys that we were talking about earlier. Mm. Yep. Um, so good on him for So being. young too, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, in 20 years when uh, our democracy finally fails, as inevitably we will, he probably will be a front-runner for uh, first king. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean when democracy fails? Democracy by itself is a satanic institution. I didn't vote for it to fail. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to beat the failure fail, of democracy yeah. at the ballot box, ladies and gentlemen. Beat it at the ballot box. you got to get out. you got to vote now. you got to get them out. <laughs> Donald Trump 203078. <laughs> That is what I actually wanted to ask you guys. Um, Donald Trump, is he good or bad for Christians? Donald Trump has no effect on Christians because Christians' faith is solely in Christ. Donald Trump's influence on pseudo-Christians and cultural Christians has been economically positive and socially negative. He has pushed for uh, the main... He has provided a platform for the mainstreaming of uh, homosexual agendas within the conservative movement in America. He has pushed for... Uh, uh, warp speed is a good example uh, he did not oppose abortion he did not uh, help those who were fighting for the things that this country could stand for if it was a Christian nation uh, in any substantive way I voted for the guy I, I liked the fact that I had less taxes to pay uh, April time uh, I thought that the way that he handled our foreign policy uh, kept us safe, safer than we have been in a while, and safer than uh, we could have hoped to be under another candidate. But overall, uh, he's a fallen man who needs Christ, just like everybody else, uh, and a morally flawed man. And I don't think that the overwhelming mainstream cultural Christians pushing for, honestly, a pseudo-idolization of the man, and not even pseudo in some cases. Some people base their entire life around supporting the man. Uh, I don't think that's been productive for Christians. Right, talk like that evangelical jingoism for the guy. Yeah. As if he is the savior. Yeah, um, that's, that's the They were praying at the ballot boxes, I remember. 
those psychos. In like this thing with democracy, it's all it's always like you just with with uh, with any democracy, just pick the lesser of two evils. It's like or, oh, where you got to choose between two evils? Yeah. Every <laughs> single time. You're still choosing. Oh, so we're always going down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, you're always picking an evil if you pick the better of two evils. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about this earlier, and I think sometimes that um, getting, again, locked up in the echo chamber, which I really try to avoid mm-hmm. for sake of just gleaming perspectives, um, is that sometimes I forget that even though I've been in this world for a while now and I know where I stand on things, there are people who are hearing these arguments for the first time. And sometimes it comes from a character like Donald Trump or it comes from a character like a Jordan Peterson, who are both individuals, and I, I don't keep bragging on Jordan Peterson. Um, it, it, these are both individuals that I wouldn't necessarily look at and say, that's my guy. Because yeah. he's not, oh, they're no. not. Like, <laughs> yeah. Very clearly, they're not. But, Whew, thank you. <laughs> they, how many of us, how many of us were on a pipeline at one point to get us to where we were? I was, I went down a pipeline. I, I don't know, I was Republican, then I was Libertarian, then I was Conservative, and then I'm, Christian nationalist, I guess, effectively. Uh, Christian, I, I guess, at the end of the day. That's what a it always good comes Christian. Yeah. yeah. That's what it always comes down to. So people are, all, are at different stages of their pipeline. And uh, I think it's good if there's going to be somebody who's got the rhetoric to be able to, like, shake them into a different line of thinking that starts that first domino fall towards the ultimate conclusion. I'm okay with that, just as long as they don't stay there. Um, yeah. It, it, I don't know. It gets the same thing. It's like almost like these people are, can be used as tools to, to get people well it's the whole tool thing was, what was it? it it was in the benedict option like we have so many tools today that o- we can only see the world as a tool and we end up seeing ourselves as tools as well that's why you get those you know the whole what do you call it the people who want to become robots or whatever or like everything's a simulation anymore yeah transhumanism transhumanism yeah I thought I thought it was for trans people. Is that it's both? Is it both? <laughs> you're, you're rejecting <laughs> somehow they interplay. You're rejecting the self you see, you see your body as a tool. Nothing is divine about it. Yep. And it, it, you said that just really clicked my because I remember that. It, and it was just the fact we have so many tools now, and we're taught from a young age to see everything as a tool. Nothing is sacred anymore. Nothing is divine, and nothing is spiritual. Everything. I mean, this this goes all the way back to back to the Enlightenment. That's just how we view everything anymore. There's no love. There's no spirit in anything. Well, the love stuff that exists in the metaphysical, and a lot of people don't want to recognize the metaphysical. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like this, this strict reality. What can I see? What can I touch? What can I feel? Well, that, it's, it's why people like always, like what C.S. Lewis says, those who can't, uh, I can't remember, but it's, it's the whole crap where people will see like two guys, one will fall asleep on the train, like put his head on, head on the other guy's shoulder, and they're like, oh, they're obviously gay. It's like, no, love isn't just sex. It's so much more than that. Uh, it's just two guys being guys. One fell asleep. There's nothing. Yeah, just dudes being dudes. Dudes being dudes. <laughs> there's there, there's nothing gay with twelve guys up in a mountain, isolated in a cabin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they'll try to project that. But they'll try to project it. Up, it's yeah. kind of making it a little. <laughs> 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 it's like when you say no homo. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, you yeah. kind of just made it homo, man. Yeah, you could have yeah. just left <laughs> that out. You said the quiet part out loud. Yeah. We will edit that out. <laughs> 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 no, but but what you're saying is correct. We yeah. need, that's another thing is the hypersexualization of culture, mm-hmm. yeah. and that kind of goes back to the uh, that kind of goes back to the social media point. Um, but th- at the end of the day, we are sexual beings. God gave us a sex drive, and He gave us a a Christ honoring way to go about that, and that's through mat- matrimony, through wedlock, through being bound to another person as one flesh. Outside of that, it's a bastardization of the best gift. 
arguably, that God gave us aside from the church and heaven. I mean, at the end of the day, there, greater love hath no man that he would lay his life down for another. And then right below that is greater love hath no man than that he would pledge his life with another, that we would go through this life as one flesh with another person, just like we go through this life with Christ as our payment, as we are his bride. It's the most beautiful covenant that exists. And the fact that uh, and that in this society where it has been trivialized just to uh, just to sex and then sex has been trivialized to just something you can do on a given Tuesday night with a consenting adult of whatever gender, if we're even going to define a gender. Adults for it's, now. Right. Adult. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah. what it be? Uh, multi 365 day period owning individuals of human descent, whatever they're going to define adult yeah. as here in the next couple of years. But at the end of the day, it's um, it, it's representative of the departure from Christ and the departure from his word, which is what we're trying to get back to. Yeah. There's like a couple points I guess I'll make real quick is like um, and Owen Benjamin said this really well is like Donald Trump Jr. put out a tweet or gab or whatever about a month ago that was like kind of saying, you know, paraphrasing like, um, Man, I'm glad that my parents didn't let me pick my gender when I was three years old. And so, you know, all these conservatives are like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, good point. Yeah. And so Owen Benjamin's like, like, what? So, like, you're basically consenting to the fact that people can pick their gender. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm glad they, that my parents didn't let me pick my gender at age three. They should wait till age 10. Be reasonable. Come Man, on. Now. Yeah, let's be reasonable here. Come I can on. pick my gender. Don't let teachers groom children until they're nine. Three. Right, exactly. So, like, <laughs> right, we got to be common sense with it. Yeah. I talked about that too on my stream when I talked about, you know, the grooming and the safety, like the Disney stuff is like, I mean, at least someone's drawing a line right now. Like, Florida, Ron DeSantis is drawing a line. I'd rather it be like a complete drawing of a, a line wall. not just like at age 10 <laughs> you know it's like i guess that's a good start maybe it's better than nothing well the line's like, already been drawn you're still not yeah. stopping the degenerates you're still not stopping the spread of satanism like you're just saying no satanism until age 10 which right is still not good you know it still is and at the age 18 is not good it's compromise with evil better, you can't right? compromise with evil yeah. right it's the most <laughs> stupid thing i've ever heard at the end of the day <laughs> the reason this organization exists is because we want to exist outside the overton window because yeah. Christ does not exist within the Overton window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He created yeah. the frame of the window, the house, and everything else, yeah. and it's all his anyway. You cannot move society's wills, whims, and pleasures operating at the behest of society's wills, whims, and pleasures. I can't have a free market solution to homosexuality and to transgenderism because at the end of the day, the solution to homosexuality and transgenderism is not an economic issue. It's not a social issue. It is a spiritual issue issue it comes down to the spiritual aspect and if we want to change that drawing the line in the sand and saying i've dr drawn a line is already the wrong answer mm. the line's been drawn since the foundation of the world when god made man saw that it wasn't good for him to be alone and he made woman as a helper yeah. she's the best helper he ever gave us but i mean as fallen men we've found plenty of ways to mess that up <laughs> and that's the line yeah. we've got to get back to it well, that gets back to the whole idea of like people refuse to recognize the metaphysical. You said it is a spiritual issue. It is. It is a spiritual issue. One of the things is like when people talk about this spreading the errors of communism or like like Russia spreading its errors. This is um, this is kind of more ingrained, I think, 
for Catholics and like Catholic prophecy and stuff. But talking about Russia spreading her errors, and, and a lot of people have just interpreted that as communism, which is a fair point, right? The communism is rooted in something a little bit deeper. Um, when Mao was doing his march across China, when the communists, the Bolsheviks, were taking over in Russia, the first thing that they taught the people was not the merits of communism as a governing system. They separated people's physical reality from their metaphysical because when you mm -hmm. can create that black hole and you can create that void of the metaphysical of a god then the state becomes god mm -hmm. and these people yeah. with their own satanic ambitions become god and you become separated well, from from the good the true and the beautiful and you're looking for answers in the secular world and they're there they're happy to provide those answers for you but they're not the right answers but it, it doesn't fill the void, though. Yeah. It never can. Of course not. Yeah. It's just all false. And and they will eventually find God. This is why chi China specifically en masse is becoming Christian. Like, they're the fastest yeah. Christian-growing nation right now, I believe, right? So potentially 200 million by the by the year 2050. They're so yeah. thirsty for they're it. Gonna have yeah, more, they they're going to have more Christians potentially by, I think, the, the thing I heard is like 20, like 2,100 a year. Mm -hmm. So like 80 years from now, China's going to have more Christians than America will have people. <laughs> Total. So as we're declining, you know, they're on fire. I mean, well, because this they is the don't thing. have when churches. I mean, they're they're meeting on farms. They're meeting in caves. Well, I mean, this is the thing. When, when, it all, when it all collapses, the only thing left is God. You know, yeah. when we lose all of our tools, all of our man-made material, the only thing left is a metaphysical. Yeah. Yeah. And they're getting arrested in China right now, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it willingly. Like, yeah. people are smuggling Bibles, you know, because they've... Mm -hmm. Bible's illegal. The Chinese communist government is trying Aren't to, they trying rewrite, to rewrite it. They've yeah. rewritten the Bible to make a state religion. Mm -hmm. You can have church service, but it has to like be monitored by the state and approved. Like your church has to be approved of by the state, <laughs> and it can be revoked. And so people are just like, you know what? We're gonna meet. We're gonna smuggle in Bibles. <laughs> hey, <based laughs> we're gonna write them nothing Christians haven't based. dealt with meet before. In caves and like have mean these giant worship services that yeah. last like ten straight hours where they're just singing and praising mm -hmm. God. They have people come, um, like missionaries come and just because they can't. A lot of people can't get their hands on Bibles, so they have these people come and just preach the gospel all day, just from memory. Mm. Here's what I remember about all the parables, you know, and they'll just sit there for ten hours a day listening to it, you know, and that's just. I mean, that's what we need to get back to, right? Is that mm. being on fire, not being lukewarm, <laughs> and saying, you know, oh, Trump's good enough. Got to spit it out. At least my gas is low, you know. Yeah, <laughs> at least at least it's a dollar eighty nine. <laughs> the the, yeah. uh, <laughs> the R.I.P. gas prices. Hey, yeah, rest in peace. Those dang gas prices gone too soon. <laughs> Two years ago today. <laughs> anyway. The uh, the biggest thing to remember is that we've won. We we really have. We don't need to look to any other savior because we have Christ, and mm -hmm. that's a big thing operating in a nation. Despite everything the nation wants to do for Christians in America, we're still being silenced. And despite everything that the nation in China wants to do against Christians, they're speaking louder than ever. Mm -hmm. It's it's the beauty of the conquering king. Yeah. He doesn't care if there's opposition. He doesn't mind opposition. We no weapon formed against us shall stand. At the end of the day. Yep. Imagine you're about to watch. Well, I'll use a, a sports ball analogy. Oh even boy! I, I cringe. Oh no! I cringe. But All I the boomers are gonna start drooling. Yeah, get the boomers on stream now. We're talking <laughs> about sports ball. <laughs> I'm a sports ball on the grill. When you're watching a Cowboys game. Imagine you're watching the Super Bowl, right? You're getting ready to watch the Super Bowl. And the Cowboys are playing. And the Cowboys are playing. 
Um, well, that's just too unrealistic. Okay, sorry. Let's you know what? <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but imagine you're watching the Super Bowl. These two teams are going against each other, right? And y- I don't know. You're some corrupt in- individual, and, y- and you know who's going to win the game. The game is rigged. You know who's going to win it. You know that the Cowboys are going to lose. It's safe assessment, <laughs> but let's say you know this for a fact because the game is rigged, right? The, the balls are being deflated or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> okay. And then you decide to bet big money on the losing team anyway. Because it would look good. Because your friend's you a Cowboys fan. Your best friend's a Cowboys make fan. Make you feel good. Because every because they're they're the ones projected to win or something like that, right? Like I don't know how I can stretch this analogy. The but underdog story. Yeah, the underdog story, right? The meek and, so, will and so even though you know who's gonna win, you still choose the other team for the sake of like public perception or something like that. Right? Like that's uh, I'm 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 trying to like draw this analogy into like we like Johnny was saying, like we know who is going to win, and it's Christ. Oh, Imagine right. knowing that, and then saying, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with these guys anyway." Oh, I, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be perception. mean and vote against the Cowboys because everyone else wants the Cowboys to win, and my best friend's a Cowboys fan. I, I, I gotta just root for the Cowboys, even though I know they're gonna lose. A, be- a better, na- a better an- analogy would be that it, it's the team of Christ fighting, and the other team is doing everything they can to cheat, lie, and steal. And they but still lose. The, yeah, and they still lose. Yeah. Well, now we're talking about a Patriots football game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in conclusion, in conclusion, God does not watch football. Yeah, yeah most certainly. Heresy, omnipresence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like can kind of going back to the original like Trump question too, as I've heard put so powerfully and simply, is that you know Christian conservatives, quote unquote, the Republicans, quote unquote, these days. George main, Floyd conservatives. Mainstream movements, yeah. What they're doing is losing in slow motion with the cowboy hat on. Yeah. They're losing in slow motion for money, for short, short-term gain. And, like, we can't just join that. We can't just, like, passively go along with that. Like, we have to mm-hmm. be the change that says no. Like, everything you're saying so powerfully and beautifully here tonight is just like, no, that's not what we're doing. We're not here to, like – slowly lose we're here to win and we have one and we're not going to back down from that we're not going to bet on the losing team because it makes us feel good or because it's going to make us popular or give us some kind of short-term advantage you know we're gonna do what's right even if it's the tough road the difficult road like we have to put our foot down and do what's right and live for what's right and we will win in the end like we are assured of that Weren't we having this conversation earlier today we were talking about the boomer mindset and their unwillingness to seek change um effectiveness of this conversation was you you were talking about your your hometown of nashville and how the the culture there is changing because of all these people who are coming in and yeah bringing the types of things that you see are prevalent in california and the people who dominate these areas right now these retired boomers and stuff like that are so attached to their material comforts that they're willing to make as many you know jump through as many mental gymnastics as they can to justify why these things are happening or to more likely to justify their inaction to do anything about it because realistically they don't want to sacrifice their material comforts they want to live the rest of their lives out in material comfort and not have to deal with the consequences that they see happening before their very eyes and so they become consumers of the type of media that tells them that they don't have to do anything about it because it's really not that bad or that dopes them up on some hopium of saying, well, things will turn around if we just do this lukewarm measure, that lukewarm measure. And it's not true. Yeah. Younger guys look at this and they see places that have already fallen to this filth 
And then you look at a place like your hometown and you see exactly what's happening and you're saying, I have to fight this fight. And as much as these guys, I can, I can parlay with them in certain conversations about certain things. They're not really on my team because they're not willing to do anything about it. And it's not just the boomers. I don't mean to pick on them, but there are people in all generations right now who are more content, seemingly content in their material comforts than they are in actually making the sacrifices to make the changes that are necessary. And it just it's a it's about that discipline and that willpower yeah. to make the heart you know it, it, not not to jump down the, the 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 poke in the arm train but like it was probably very difficult for a lot of people who were unwilling to get that poke in the arm because there was a lot of sacrifices that came with that intentionally yeah. so right yeah. but that's just one small measure of this grander fight that we're having to deal with so I I want to find the people and part of this re- the, this movement is about finding those people who are willing to make those difficult decisions and, 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 and make those sacrifices that are necessary for the betterment of the future. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Well, the circle back, um, are you guys voting for Trump in 2024? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All that being said, though, like, are you, you is he running? Is that, is that Illuminati confirmed? Or? <laughs> yeah. I thought he's already president. I've been told. Yeah, this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what Sean According was to t- the latest QAnon post, I think he's actually president, and yeah. Biden's using a green screen. To <laughs> well, technically, they cut off Clone Biden's Biden face, is, replaced yeah. it with yeah. Bi- Trump's, and vice versa. And he's still yeah. president. But what Sean was talking about, he hit on it a couple times, and I want to just kind of hammer it home. We're a localist movement. We believe in this, the power of the state, like th- not just the state, like you know, big S, but North Carolina, Virginia, Kentucky the state Mm -hmm. we uh, the biggest move that we need to make isn't oh who are we going to endorse for president who does what is a christian choice for president that's a big decision we got to be vetting the people in our local you got to know who's on your school board you got to know who's on your city council you got to know who's going to be your senator and goodness in north carolina i'm gonna be voting for mark robinson if he decides to run for governor because that man's a christian he loves the lord and he hates evil and if you can find somebody like that in your state to vote for, at whatever position they're in, that's what you got to look for. I don't, I don't really care what who the most popular person is. I don't really care who's the most likely to win. We're n- we've already won. We're we are voting on conscience. We're voting on who's going to do the best job, and the best job is who's going to honor Christ the best. Mm-hmm. So, who the president is? If we have an awesome Christian, just throw their hat in the ring, and you know. They're gonna they're gonna do great things in the country, and they run for president. Awesome, great. We'll probably end up supporting them. But I'm not about failed politicians getting another run. Yeah, yeah. Don't vote for the lesser of two evils. Vote yeah. for the good, True. and that's if you want to vote at all. And <laughs> vote and vote if you're going to vote. Vote for people that are going to make a change and know what change they're going to make when you vote for them. Mm-hmm. It's easy. It's a Google search. <laughs> oh yeah. There is an apparatus of bureaucracy that enables the types of agendas that are being pushed these days. And when we talk about, like, the enablement of conspiracies, right, if you want to really break down the term conspiracy, what we're talking about is people covertly trying to institute an agenda. We're talking about the enabling of those types of conspiracies to come to their fruition. Then you're talking about the bureaucracy that we see today filled with individuals who are acting effectively in self-interest. You've got people in, you know, you've got, lawyers you've got doctors you've got bishops you've got congressmen you've got judges you've got all these people who are put into these positions and the institutional powers have kind of set a precedent for who's going to be successful in these 
these these institutions, right? Whether it be private institutions or public institutions. And so if a judge wants to get ahead, the judge is going to play ball with somebody like the Open Society Foundation because they got the money, they got the yeah. power, right? Yeah. If a congressman wants to get ahead, he'll say the right things to his base, but, you know, behind closed doors, he's going to play ball with the people who matter. Yeah, and it's handshaking and right. moving. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like people want to imagine that there's this grand conspiracy and that everybody's in on it. And to a certain effect, they are, but it's not like they're consciously in on it. Uh, the cathedral? Cathedral. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's that we're allowing people to act in their own self-interest, and that self-interest is only benefiting the types of people that we're actively working against. And so until we get loud about the issues that matter, and still we until we start applying pressure to these people who are in positions to make change, whether that comes from above, uh, from a you know a, a new elite to fill the to fill the void of a, a, a you know, immoral elite that we have now. Mm-hmm. Or if it comes from a cultural shift, you know, probably going to be a combination of the two. It needs to happen, and they need to feel the pressure. Because if they don't ever feel the pressure, why would we expect them to change? These are not people who are acting in accordance with like some rigid moral law. I wish they were, but that's just not the nature of where this country's at right now. Nor does the yeah. the country we live in facilitate that. You are you are, you know, given, you know, money and status and wealth for being immoral and stuff like this that's almost how you get ahead in this country yeah what is i guess what are your stances on democracy okay and what would be a good replacement for it (laughs) democracy at its core places power solely in the hands of a group of unregulated people Mm. we don't believe in a universe where people are unregulated we don't believe that unregulated people have any higher power to appeal to and we don't believe that the decision of the most people is right Uh, and at the end of the day arguing about democracy is a misnomer we're not a democracy we never have been Mm -hmm. in in the united states there has been no democracy ever anybody that wants to tout the the greeks or if they want to tout some other government source it's never been a democracy there have always been people in higher power and people in lower power we the new columbia movement recognize that dichotomy and we know that that's the natural order of things. God has created some men to be leaders yeah. and yeah. some men to be followers. And all of them are ordained by Christ and all of them have a job to play. We see democracy as something that is fundamentally a secular, humanist, and ultimately satanic institution. Yeah. It places power in the hands of man who do not have it and pretends to fight for the rights of men when the only rights of men are guaranteed by God without having God in the equation. Yeah. The the, the frat, I mean we we have we have a diverse I I dare say um political spectrum, you know, but I don't think there's many of us at all. I can't name one who's, you know, yeah, go democracy, go even republic. <laughs> We're going to vote um, ourselves yeah. out of this mess. Mostly <laughs> mo- mostly nationalists, mostly um I, 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 uh m- m- a couple monarchists, but all of them put Christ first. That's the ultimate thing with this the, the biggest thing with democracy it, it's never worked ever and like and, li- and like um johnny said um none of them have even been true democracies all the way back to athens you can take it back to there it was never really democracy and they still got you know bent over by the spartans so <laughs> <laughs> i caught my dad in a catch too the other day he was having a conversation oh, yeah. with somebody <laughs> and uh 
he was he works at a college. I won't say what college, but he works at a college. And effectively, he was kind of complaining about the leadership style. He likes the guy who's in charge, but he was saying he was raised by a Marine. My grandfather, who was the Marine for 28 years, he was complaining because the dean of the, the dean of this college essentially his leadership style is like, well, what do you guys think? You know, he's got this kind of board of people that he continues to lean on. It's like, what is the best decision? What do you guys think? What do you guys think? My dad was just kind of um, ra- uh, ranting about this, and he's like, you know, this is like this is kind of leadership style that I don't really respect. Like, this is not the way I was raised. My grandfather, or my dad, he was saying, uh, was a Marine you know, for 28 years, and he was always about leaders take ownership. Leaders take responsibility. They're there for yeah. the good, and they're there for the bad. Um, that's what a leader does. And you need to have a man who's there, and he's going to make the good – he's going to make the decisions, and he's going to own it. He's going to have the responsibility for it. Yep. And so I, I was kind of like from across the room, I was like, huh, so you don't like democracy. <laughs> okay, no, interesting. No, go ahead, continue the conversation. I, I just, just a, yeah. you know, just a note, <laughs> just a thought. <laughs> um, and he just like started chuckling because he didn't have a response to it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's that's essentially my my opinion on democracy. I, I've been kind of curious in this, like, I don't know, I've been listening to like Aaron McIntyre podcast and his kind of perspectives coming from Italian elitism. <laughs> a lot of conservatives tote this idea. Um, and you hear all the time is the, the constitution was made for moral and religious people true right? i can't remember who exactly that quote is attributed to off the top of my head right now it was made for a moral religious people and it's not fit for anything else and they love to break out that quote but what about when you look them in the eyes and you say this country is not a moral and religious people now what you've admitted that the Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. You've also admitted that this country is not a moral and religious people. Now what? Yeah. You just continue with this? You just continue with the hopium? I mean, it goes back to the boomer conversations. Like, well, they'll, they'll justify it somehow, right? Yeah. But that's the real conversation that needs to be had. And it's interesting. Maybe there's different, different governing styles for different bodies of people for different times yeah. in history. Yeah. What do we need? I think it was... Who was that? I can't remember the famous author right now, but it's basically, he's like... You know, when it comes down to it, um, you have a tyranny. It's just a tyranny of, of the majority. Um, you, 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 you claim this fear of, like, the tyranny from from one man with the ability to make decisions, and those happen. I'm not denying that. It definitely happens. Um, but I think it was James Madison who recognized the tyranny majority as well. And that's something that we have to contend with. Yeah. Um, how do we fix that? How do we rectify that? We, we can't continue to hold up this idea of democracy as the ultimate solution for everything because it's not. We've we've talked extensively about that already tonight. So there's places there's places for groups of people to work together for the common good, but there has to be at some point someone who puts their foot down and takes responsibility for it. And the way we're set up is just there. There's there's it's almost too much because we that's why it's you know they call it the swamp or whatever Trump called it. Um, there's just filth everywhere. It's all corrupt. It's like, okay, so instead of being tyrannized by, you know, some fat Asian, we're being tyrannized by a bunch of fat white people. Ooh, like, <laughs> such fun. And they all have tiny hats. Like, <laughs> like oh, how fun. You know, and, and it, almost, it almost makes it more complicated, you know. <laughs> it makes it a lot more complicated when you've got a, when, when you get a bigger body of, of tyrannical, you know, prideful individuals who are just looking out for themselves at the end of the day that's the issue is the hubris of man that we think we can we think we can govern ourselves we think we can regain the paradise we've lost we can't 
the only utopia is living in communion with God and communion with brothers. And that doesn't come without power. You can't have a classless society and you can't have an absolute uh, popular rule because at the end of the day, you're going to have the people that think one way and the people that think the other way. We understand that. As Christians, we understand there are people that are going to stand before Christ and be sheep and be in his flock and those who are going to be goats and cast aside. Some of those people aren't going to know it, unfortunately. Some people are going to be deluded and the, the scales are not going to be removed from their eyes. And it's, it breaks my heart to think about, breaks every Christian's heart to think about, the loved ones that we know, the friends that we have that are lost and will stay that way because that's in God's plan. We can't get around that. But what we can do is follow God. We can follow his order, follow his commands, and make that what our nations, what our, even before nation, what our state, what our city, what our neighborhood, what our house is like. And that's where our focus has to be. It has to be a return to Christ. Yep. And one of my favorite books of the Bible is First Samuel. I just think it's so powerful, especially for men to read. But it was really interesting. I've been rereading the Old Testament kind of lately and reread that again, and it really stuck out to me that you know, at that point in history, the children of Abraham were not led by a government. They were led by a, a spokesman of God. They were a group of people that were loving and trusting God. Yeah, they had some slip-ups, right? And they kind of would get checked, put in their place, and kind of go back to, you know, that. Um, and I guess at that moment in history, the people of that time and place kind of reached the point where they said you know what we no longer trust god we want a man to rule us we want a king we want and then the the phrase they use is we want to be like the other nations we want to be like these other godless people mm. and we want to like govern ourselves we want to be in control we want to make decisions we don't trust god we want a man to rule us and we are going to do this and samuel was like uh guys hey <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you know what you guys are asking for right now. And God tells them, you know, I'll give them a king. And it's not going to be good. It's not going to be pretty. There's going to be consequences. But I'll give these people what they want, and they can suffer, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, again, read First Samuel. It's amazing. There's so much powerful, like, different things about the whole story. Yeah. But just the idea that's kind of the first moment in history where we, we really, like, as God's children truly said, we don't trust you anymore. We're going to. We are, are going to govern ourselves. Yeah. We're not going to let you govern us effectively and truly. We are going to handle that. Right. And kind of ever since that moment, it's been, I mean, exile. And that's it's been just been different stages of exile. I mean, there was a temporary period where you had David and you had Solomon and things were good and prosperous. And then it just nosedived into exile from that point on. And we've basically been in that state ever since, you know. Right. Um, and it comes back to the garden. That's yeah, how we're built. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. We don't yeah. want government if it's not from us. We yeah. don't want anybody to be the, the lords of our destiny but us. But the wonderful thing about Christianity is that we have a lord of our destiny because if we were that, we'd mess it up. And that translates to personal life and that translates to the nation, like you're talking about. You can have a really great leader that God puts in power. There are some awesome kings in Chronicles. Mm-hmm. There are some awesome kings yeah. in the Old Testament. I mean, even a Gentile king like Nebuchadnezzar had his moments that where he where he honored God, but at the end of the day, that's not our hope. That's mm-hmm. that's not where we put our trust. Yeah, sure, we need to put it though. As in God, absolutely. 
Yep. I always want to name my kids Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. Like those are like two powerful names, but like, eh, maybe not the best. <laughs> It'd be tough to fit like, on the license. Just simply as names go, like those are two awesome names, but yeah. Yeah, imagine being the kid in kindergarten that comes in and my name is Belteshazzar. <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. You would be the coolest kid. Imagine trying I to get hired. Who's? <laughs> <laughs> You'd spend thirty minutes filling my, out your name. Yeah. Kind of want to name my kids Cain and Abel too, but like, is that? That's I don't know that's about bad Juju, brother. Keep the rocks course? away from the house. <laughs> yeah. You have to live on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're going to bring the name back. We're going to reclaim the name. My sons are going to be so good that people will forget about what Yeah, we got to make that. That's got to be our name, man. That's got to be our name. You should name your son Sean. <laughs> yeah. Do not name your son Sean. <laughs> That's an official political stance of the New Columbia movement. You may not name your son Sean. <laughs> not true. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got some great Sean's. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and you kind of touched on Russia. I was going to ask you guys, what do you think about the Ukraine and Russia conflict? And are there any good guys? Absolutely. Whoever the Christians are. Yeah. The At the end of the day... The Ukraine and Russia conflict is a conflict. We're going to have wars and rumors of wars, but take heart for I've overcome the world. We really don't need to get further into it than that. There's people that are good men uh, that are fighting on the side of Ukraine, and there's people that are good men fighting on the side of Russia. Mm. And there's people that are good men that are caught in the middle. It's a it's the tragedy of war. The first thing to disappear in the fog of war is the truth. Mm. I don't think we're really ever going to know the truth of what's going on in Russia uh-huh. until glory um, or in Ukraine. But... At the end of the day, we pray for our brothers and sisters in those countries and in the surrounding nations. And we pray that our nation would have a biblical response to it. So mm-hmm. far, we really haven't, no. which, big surprise, America doesn't make a lot of biblical decisions. <laughs> but um, ultimately, it's a, it's a struggle of man for power, and we know that's futile. So we pray for the brothers and sisters there. But honestly, it's not a, it's not a political issue. It's a spiritual issue. Uh, it's a spiritual issue of sin, and that's going to be fixed when Christ comes back. Yeah, I mean, with with, with great struggle comes great virtue. You know, yep. war is a y- you have to find the great virtue in war, and war allows that. There can be no virtue without evil. You know, and we always have to look towards the virtue within the war, and then obviously once the war is over, always build it back towards God. Yep. I've always looked at war in this world as a bellwether for losing ground on the spiritual battlefield um, because I think war is our physical kind of manifestation, our physical projection of um, either promoting, pushing wrongs or, or or reacting to the wrongs, right? I think of like the Crusades, the Crusades, the big, the big bad, scary Christians and the Crusades, except for the fact that uh, what, h- how much of Europe was already conquered by the Muslims who were absolutely terrorizing the lands of the West yeah, before the, the Muslims defensive invasions, they called them right before the Christians <laughs> actually d- decided to react. I think it was like a third of Europe was conquered or something. And then they finally reacted and they pushed back. Well, I mean, you know, the Muslims are not Christian, right? And they're, they're projecting an awful worldview and continue to do so. Um, so we lost ground there on that spiritual battlefield. I mean, we weren't evangelizing in the proper way in, in these countries in the middle East. We weren't, pushing back against this evil ideology. This is just one example that I'm using, right? So these wars tend to manifest as that 
projection essentially of the ground that we've lost in the spiritual battle people are going to die and mm. it's sad because especially when you have two christian nations that are warring against each other over not so christian things i mean you know i i i i morally see the the need for something like a crusade um and it's and it's good that you know we defend Christianity, but so many of the wars today, and one of the you know biggest issues that I had as my time in the Marine Corps is that nothing is being based on um, Christian principles and like Christian values as to why we're going and doing these wars. It was um, Saint Augustine, and then later it was developed a little bit more by Thomas Aquinas, which essentially laid out the in, in, in the Catholic worldview the six principles for just war. Mm. Um, and I'm, I, I'm probably not going to be able to remember them all off the top of my head, but it was in, in pursuit of a just cause, um, wage for the right intention, uh, levied by a competent authority, as a means of last resort. Um, there's two others that are escaping me, but the one I wanted to focus on was uh, waged by a competent authority. I find it interesting because we assume a competent authority is just somebody that has their faculties about them, right? So... Uh, not Biden, <laughs> um, but you know somebody who can string a string a sentence together, right? They can say that you not poop their pants, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, take like an Obama for example, right? He was a very clean, clean dressed, well spoken individual, um, but he was not a competent authority. When Augustine was writing on the principles of just war, and when Thomas Aquinas was later expanding on it, both of them lived in Christian times. Um, in the Roman era for Augustine and then Christendom era for Aquinas. And so in that definition of competent authority, the moral imperative was assumed into that individual's character, that somebody was making these decisions based on the moral framework of a Christian world. Well, we don't have that today. So how can we say we have a competent authority when we have, you know, the, the Bidens and the Pelosi's and the whoever else's of the world who are the ones who are making decisions, who are not moral people. Zelensky. Zelensky. <laughs> yeah. These are not moral people, and they don't have the moral competency to be able to wage and levy a just war. They may think they have their reasons. Um, but, you know, if we, as we've come back to time and time again in this conversation, it's, it's, it's always going to be based in Christian principles. It's always going to be based in Christ. And so if that's not at the root of it, um, it's just a really sad series of events. Your your talk on the Crusades reminds me of um, I was talking earlier today. I don't know if you ever heard it in the car. Uh, William Blake he talked about passive good. He says the passive good is the worst thing in the world because active evil is more useful than passive good because active evil brings about active good, and that's exactly what the Crusades were. There were there, there was passive good, and it was Christendom allowing the Muslims to kill and slaughter good Christian men. But that act of evil brought about the act of good of the Crusades to properly go to war against these, you know, heretics, whatever you wish to call them, and drive them out to save these good Christian men. And that's that, that that's often what, and it's just the circle. It's it's all it's often how almost every war goes. But we're now missing the active good. What ends up happening is two different active evils fighting each other, and we need active good fighting we have we, we yeah. it's it's only active evil there i don't like like i find this group to be active good yeah um but there there's this it's really strange to see two active evils fighting each other but i guess that but they're wearing the guise of active good you know that's why they call themselves the progressives as if they're not you know uh or whatever they call them like oh the progressives or the regressives or whatever the heck they say nowadays i don't know 
but um, these progressives are just satanic, and you know they're fighting against the old progressives, like how the what is it now, uh, the turfs versus the trans or whatever going on. <laughs> you know those are those are two active evils yeah. fighting each other, and what it, what it really is is it's a smaller evil being stomped on by a bigger evil is what's happening, and we need the active good, which is just you know obviously going to win in the end, but you know it it it, it has to be done with good men. You know, that's how active good gets done is by good men. Yeah. That's what I kind of touched on my last live stream is like as they lie and they continue to lie and they continue to lie, all these lies start overlapping each other. Yeah. And if you just have eyes to see, it's just so obvious. I mean, us, we get it. Pe most people listening get it. But like you have to be really dumb or really evil to like not see that you know, two months ago it was oh, we don't know what a woman is. We can't define... I'm not a biologist. I can't define what a woman is. And then a month later, it's... Her penis. Women rights. <laughs> Men don't have a right to tell a woman what oh, to yeah. do. It's like, well, just a month ago, you couldn't define a woman. Now, you know... And that's just... And that's kind of almost like boomerish talking points, right? Yeah. But that's like the bigger picture of like lies start to overlap and they can't keep up with them, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're just exposed. Like, yeah. And it's you can't keep everything I, in the dark. Like it's I, gonna be so, I was actually watching. Right? I was watching a comedy special the other day, and I, it actually kind of blackpilled me almost. <laughs> well, because oh, no. I realized I, I, because because so 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 comedy. What it usually is is taking a truth and removing the context. That's what makes it funny. But nowadays, comedians simply need to just tell the truth. Period. No context yeah. needs to be removed yeah. anymore. This is just what's happening. And it's hilarious, and it, and this is this is where clown world comes from, you know. The fact I forgot who I was watching it was it was some the, the, the weird a atheist British or Australian guy. I forgot who he was on the news or whatnot Gervais for making or fun the of other guy. Uh, Clark or Frank or something. I don't know. I didn't know his name. I I I, I just watched a couple of clips from his thing, and when I was watching them, they, they were funny. You know, he's like her penis, and I, <laughs> it was funny. Her penis, bigot. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and like, and like that's, balls, it, it's funny, <laughs> it's funny, but it's crazy when the fool tells the truth, yeah. the fool shouldn't be telling the truth. The, the, the fool should, should be tweaking the truth to make it funny, but they don't have to tweak it anymore. And that's what kind of blackmail is. I was, I was like, you almost don't even have to be a comedian to be funny anymore. You just yeah. have to tell the truth yeah. and it makes you funny. And this really shouldn't be funny too. And comedians aren't comedians anymore. They can't oh, they're all being silenced. Because they can't yeah. tell the truth. Because if you tell yeah. the truth, you're canceled. You yeah. lose your deals. You're ostracized. Mm -hmm. you, know, you lose your stage time. Like, um, and that's that's been the case for a long time. Considering who runs comedy, I mean, comedy has always been humor is a gift from God. Mm -hmm. Comedy has always been uh, full of Christians, but also the profit makers in comedy have always pushed for a more lewd, a more worldly, a more mm -hmm. uh, licentious narrative to be pushed in comedy. And so the fact that now the licentious narrative of comedy is caught up to society and society has done the same thing, and now all we have to do, instead of joking about, oh, I went on the date with this girl and I couldn't tell if she was a guy or a girl, haha, -ha, funny, now that's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now it's not even a joke. It's, oh, I know people that have gone on dates with men. Yeah. Like, God made them a man. They did horrible things to themselves. Now they look like an abomination. Yeah. But they, you know, 
have access to a photo editor, so they got a first yeah. date. <laughs> you know, it's it – See, this shouldn't be funny. It shouldn't be yeah. funny because it's true. And I hope not a second date. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I pray that it, it If you go on the second date with the person you know was a man – you're probably not listening to the right podcast. I'm just going to – you've wasted, like, minutes of your time. You can go watch YouTube. I'm sure that Dave Chappelle put up something really funny this morning. This is not the show for you. you got different challenges, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, comedy is, is part of the arts, right? So it's the arts, this reflection of beauty, again, in the world. Comedy is um, – comedy is the way we bring lightheartedness to a world that is kind of – can be devoid of God in a lot of ways sometimes, but um, you know, comedy be comedy can be corrupted. Comedy can also be used to tell the truth when we need to. So yep. it just falls right into that same camp of destroying the good, the beautiful. What is it? The good, the true, and the beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I have mad respect for Owen Benjamin. He's controversial. You know, there's stuff I disagree with him about on this or that, whatever. But bigger picture, like he was in it. Like he was a comedian. Mm-hmm doing big shows and getting big deals and you know a lot of riches and what he says like lollipops and fancy pants thrown your way right it's like hard to turn that down you get wrapped up in the beast system and you know he took a couple moral stands here and there which kind of hurt his prospects and his money and his agents and his money deals but the big thing he always says that was really ostracizing for him as a comedian was just refusing to back down from saying i'm not going to say it because i don't want kicked off youtube (laughs) but you know the hard ends and he refused to say it. He made a joke about it. He almost, the more people said, stop saying it, he would double down on it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so all these comedians are like, well, you're going too far. Just that's one word. Just don't say that one word. And his point was like, if as a comedian, if you say this, you can't say one word. Then two years from now, it's going to be, well, now you also can't say this word. Yeah. And then two years from now, you know, you now you can't talk about this topic or you can't say this or you mm-hmm. can't, you know, it's like it's going to be a slippery slope, which isn't really a fallacy. Um, it's going to continue. And so at first he's making these claims. He's doing this. I mean, he's literally like getting kicked out of Hollywood, like sacrificing a lot to like make this moral stand. And he's almost warning comedians like, guys, y- you guys are pushing me out at this point, you know, for doing this. I'm warning you. It's going to get to the point where you can't be comedians anymore watch watch flash any. forward seven years and they can't say the t word mm-hmm. the n word the s word the r word you know all these words that J-word. are now you know you can't say that or else you get canceled you get your accounts deleted well and it's, so it's almost like prophetic without even being prophetic it's just like a simple truth of like hey guys there's a slippery slope here and we need yeah. to not bow down to this we can't give in we can't concede an inch of ground on this as comedians especially like this is our job is to speak the truth twist the truth and you know make light of serious situations mm-hmm. and be free to like mock and say words like mm-hmm. that's like their job is being a wordsmith right he, 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 and so he, if you're taking away one it's only a matter of time before they take away two and then it's only a matter of time before they start taking more and more and more now look back he was totally right about it uh, now uh, you can't say 20 things and it's yeah. only continuing because no one's putting their foot down Meanwhile, Owen has sacrificed a lot. He continues to do it. He's finding, like, the right people, the right places, the right time. And he's still, like, the funniest man because he refuses to cuck. He refuses to give up, you know? Yeah, you're not going to see him on YouTube. Yeah, he's not going to get stage time at the comedy store. But he's finding his own ways to put his stream out. He streams three hours every day, and he's not stopping, you know? Mm -hmm. So guys like that who 
whether or not you agree with him or like him or whatever, but like you have to at least respect like the fact that he put his foot down and was like, no, I'm not conceding an inch of ground and you shouldn't either. And he warned everyone and it was like, turned out to be so totally true, you know? Yeah. And that's bigger picture what we need to be doing. Like, you know, not just like as a comedian, not just with words, but like with our principles, like yeah. we need to be putting our foot down and saying like, no, you <laughs> like turning anyone trans is not good like I, not your three-year-old not your 10-year-old like nobody like you know i mean this is an, an evil that we need to be stopping and not conceding ground to you know but yeah. that slippery slope goes in both directions right we talked about like yeah. well, the slippery yeah, slope true. in one way but it's funny as one of the things when i was in dc and i was talking to all the people who were uh, abortion uh, baby killing activists um one of the, like the reoccurring themes was like, God, oh, you know, they're, they're taking our abortion rights and they they want to ban gay marriage and and they want to do yada yada yada. And I was like, well, I like your energy. That's not really what this is about. <laughs> but true, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like please true. continue. Yeah, yeah I was please like, yeah, you're kind of. I mean, you're kind of right. Like, yeah, that's kind of yeah. what I want. But I mean, <laughs> it seems unrelated. But I, I'm with it. Yeah, it's tying it back to comedy. The the best way to check whether a power system is is, is good or not is how well it can handle comedy yep. because because yep. if everyone can laugh at it and then go back to it and be and be like oh no it's obviously a joke it's actually this and this but the fact that they're not removing any context pe- pe- people are watching people like dave Chappelle, you know nor- normie as hell but pe- people are listening to him watching him and the things are happening to him and they're like wait, wait a minute he's, he's just telling the truth yeah. And so they're realizing the problems. This is why bad power structures hate comedians, communists, um, communists, you know, uh, dictatorships like um, uh, North Korea, uh, stuff like that. They, they, they hate comedy. And, and it's, re- it's really sad. You talk about the cancellation things right now. Every comedian uh, uh, that, that I've heard recently within the past like year or two, they always in, in their opening act on their stage or whatever. At, at some point, they mentioned some com- comedian that's been canceled or people have attempted to cancel them. It's just like there's no joke there. They're just, you know, almost crying out. Just like, stop, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of depressing. <laughs> yeah. It's like I came in here laughing and now I'm just kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> That can be funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a bunch more topics. You guys want to stream again tomorrow night? Sure. I'd love to. Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Any, like, last things you want to, like, talk about or topics you want to cover before we start to wrap up? I'd just like to make a public service announcement. Yeah. Christ is king. Absolutely. <laughs> Christ, Christ is, is king. king. At the end of the day, if we say nothing else, that's what matters. Yep. Christ is king. Yeah. I, li- I do like having conversations like these, and I think that the... Um, there's a lot of intellectual stimulation when you get people going and on these topics and stuff. And I hope that um, it's nice that people who are kind of on our team already get to hear these kind of conversations. But these are the kind of conversations that people who haven't um, come over completely need, to be, need to be exposed to. And I'm not saying because I think that like I have the right idea. We were talking about this today, or maybe I was talking about it with somebody else. There's an error in liberalism, which is that we believe that we have to continue to come up with these new and unique ideas to get people on board and to you know like this is the right answer because I've, oh I've it was used with me yeah was yeah. it with you yeah I, i've expressed this creativity in my idea look look at this new idea there are very few people who are saying a lot of the right things today who wait, there's nobody actually let me rephrase there's nobody who are saying the right things today that have invented some new idea mm. because there's an objective reality to this world there's natural law there's an objective truth your creativity comes in play when you can figure out how to articulate this in a way where other people are better are going to better understand these intrinsic truths. Mm-hmm. So stop trying to come up. Stop trying to. It's an ego thing. Stop trying to 
involve your ego into these ideas that you're expressing and just realize that you are a student of the truth that exists already and you need to if you're aware of that kind of stuff you need to be able to express that to as many people as possible and you need to figure out how they're thinking where they're coming from and how can you best present that to somebody so they can experience this kind of stuff as well and i think that's what these conversations are about and hopefully we can get to a point where more and more people are going to be able to hear these kind of things and get involved that's all I got. You know, yeah. it's been a great time. Yep. Appreciate you having us on. Enjoyed the pipes. We didn't yeah. mention we were. Yeah. We enjoying the tobacco the and ours, yeah. the company as well. I had to cut mine short because I haven't smoked in uh, three years. So I'm starting to get like sweaty and headaches. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can uh, keep going. Like, be a man, like you're saying. Like, uh, don't take the chicken the chicken run and Get out. some water and I get back on the horse, bro. my equipment. Yeah, right? I did <laughs> During this podcast. I did it too. No hard feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to bow out. Sadly, I was not man enough to handle my cigar. <laughs> hey. I'll give it a round. I'll give it another try to mark. We're all a work in progress. Um, yeah. Any like plugs, shout outs you want to give? Just the New movement. Columbia Movement. New Columbia Movement. Yeah. yeah. Follow us on social media. NCMVNT. Well, is that the handle? The handles are different on different social media platforms, right. but I I mean, if you look up New Gab Columbia is Movement, New Columbia Movement spelled out at Gab. Yeah, but it's not spelled like the country Columbia. It's spelled with a U. Yeah. yeah, it's Columbia. Columbia in South America is two O's. We're C O L U M B I A. Yeah, so yeah, that, that's a distinction. It's not the made. South America Columbia. Correct. Yeah, and uh, my last question I always like to ask is, uh, did you have fun? Absolutely. No. <laughs> no, hush. Oh, man. <laughs> Had a great time. It was great. Time. Time. No, <laughs> it was great. I love these conversations. Yeah, I'm a nerd, they're great. So. Awesome. That's sweet. Appreciate you having us on. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Modernity has corrupted freedom. We have decayed as a society. Return to beauty. Return to honor. Return to tradition. <laughs>